0: Hello, this is Matt Marone, the worship pastor here at Glen Island Bible Church. You're listening to The Next Level podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, January 23rd, 2022.
1: Hey, everyone. I'm John Vanderbilt. Hi, I'm Simone Halpin. And I'm Kelly Brady. And welcome to our listeners of The Next Level. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Hello. Go ahead, Matt. Get it out of your system. Blah blah blah, <laughs>
0: Chiefs. <laughs> oh man, come on. That was like, like one of the
1: seconds of football history.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, it was kind of amazing.
0: <laughs> it was. A, it was one of the best games of any sport ever. It was unbelievable. It was crazy. It was. It was entertaining. I, I, I can't remember how many points was scored within two minutes to 25. the end of the game. It's
2: insane. That's insane. It's nuts.
0: Yeah. What's cool is it was hyped up for like the whole week, and it. A hundred percent lived mm. up to the expect. Actually, all the games were what came down to the wire, which was which was lots cool. of physical yeah.
2: pressure. Yeah,
0: we got a special treat today. Simone brought in some Starbucks.
1: Mm. Thank you, Simone. Dang,
2: happy to help. Love it. <laughs> you you feeling you feel the need for caffeination? I mean, I just knew I was going to get one for myself. I didn't want to be rude.
0: Yeah, she brought Thank one you. for the whole class. <laughs> Thank you.
2: What I didn't tell you is i had already been to Starbucks when you texted me, Kelly. I was like. Oh. He's like, he's oh, my pastor.
1: So oh, you went back!
2: <laughs> oh my
1: God! Wow! Wow!
2: I shouldn't have told you that. I
3: changed my mind. I'd like a drink. I'm so entertained. <laughs> pain. Too, too late.
2: <laughs> you should have just said,
1: "You missed the bus, kid. <laughs> you can walk to school."
2: I just was contemplating, like, who? Why do you have to contemplate whether you need coffee or not? I feel like the answer is always yes.
1: I've already
0: downed. <laughs> Good. yeah Good. it's Quite a right. matter of how jittery do you want to be for the rest That's of the day show. And yeah. there's a little bit of thought process Thank right you. So let's a show of hands, you. show of hands here um how <laughs> many
3: of us, of us <laughs> drive back
1: <laughs> how many of us make the
0: drive back when we get that
3: text I see one hand up. It's (laughs) Simone's. So the rest... Okay, no, no, no. The consensus is... It depends who it is. Okay. All right. If 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 (laughs) Carrie was like, (laughs) are you still at Starbucks? Because I'd like something. And I'm not there.
0: Yeah. Well, that's different. I'm lying.
3: Yeah, oh, yeah, babe, I'm there. I'm still here.
0: (laughs) In (laughs) the parking lot. No big deal. No big deal. Okay. So, or I make a huge deal of it. <laughs> i right, have right. already left,
3: but I am I going will, back. I owe you. You don't I know owe me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you don't know me. I should have did a double check. That's what I should have done. One last chance.
0: All <laughs> yeah. right. Um, Lots of questions. You have a lot of questions. So um, do we want to discuss anything from Sunday to set oh, up any you know, of these yeah. questions? Yeah, we- I,
1: well, I'd love to hear from you guys what y'all thought of Sunday afternoon's Next Level Discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for those that might have missed it, there were about 100 people in attendance. It, the discussion was aimed at processing together as a congregation the last two sermons on um, race and uh, equity. Ec- Equality, justice, you need those things, and and then also processing together the paper that the elders put out. If you haven't visited the website, we have a page on diversity, gebible.org slash diversity. All the resources there uh, of the books we'd recommend, the paper is there, there is a an hour and 40 minute video of Sunday afternoons talk. You can see the entire video, people asking questions, the elders doing their best to respond, people sharing comments, and the elders doing their best to listen and, and learn. And how do, we, how do they find that video for those? It's on the diversity page. It's on the it's diversity page on, YouTube, on the
3: website, on our YouTube channel. Posted on YouTube, Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah you can just go to
0: YouTube and find it. If
1: you so want. I'll turn it to you three first. What'd y'all think of that, that time together as a congregation? Was everybody there? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep, go ahead, dig in. Hey, listen, <laughs> I thought it was great.
2: Well, I thought it was
1: great. Do you guys want right. to go to Starbucks? I, I'm really <laughs> we'll just <did you laughs> let Kelly uh, handle this. He'll tee it up, he'll okay, drive it. I'm going <laughs> to ask you three. I'm going to open up to you <laughs> guys. Well, y'all hesitated.
3: <laughs>
1: I thought it was great. I, you know, I, It was great. Wait, he <laughs> is the epitome <laughs> of hesitation today. I'm not either. I've got a lot <laughs> of caffeine in me. So it wasn't great because everybody agreed. It was great, because everybody, yeah. uh, as near as I could tell, shared, heard, listened to one another, and there were differing opinions shared, and that's valuable. And someone, I don't know who it is, y'all probably remember, someone said, if we can't have this discussion mm-hmm. in, among believers, how will we ever engage with non-believers on these types of difficult topics. So mm-hmm. I was just, I felt really had the warm fuzzies. I, I sensed the Holy Spirit uh, was present and caring for us all. So
2: mm-hmm. I loved hearing from the elders because it's been obviously largely talked about. The Kelly show. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying it was, it's was it been talked mostly on Sunday mornings, mm-hmm. but you've referenced the journey the elders have been on. So to hear their different stories and mm-hmm. I was just, I don't know, I, I felt really, um, I was just grateful to hear some authentic experiences from the elders, and I thought they did a great job. I loved how everyone kind of shared in that, that, fielded different questions, spoke to different experiences. That was probably one of my biggest takeaways: was hearing from the elders. Like it wasn't just Kelly. This is a this is a group of people who have thought and prayed and been intentional. That was encouraging to me.
3: Yeah, I agree. I I, I thought the. I thought the evening was really valuable um, in just in the fact that we can be a congregation that gets together to talk about these things. You know, unity does not mean complete agreement on every issue. So Absolutely not. some differing opinions on, you know, um, action, you- action steps we should take, or I didn't like necessarily this term in the paper, or where are we headed, and... and um, you know, those, those sorts of things are, yeah, I mean, for some, you could take the point of view of, man, that's really discouraging that someone thinks that, or I'm really frustrated that they think that, or, or whatever. And, and yeah, we have to kind of work through our response to some of these things. But overall, I think we look at the time and say, it was really positive. I felt um, positive in the fact that People felt comfortable enough to ask questions, to share some of their story and their perspective, and um, come away still being able to worship together and ha- take communion together and and yeah. all those mm-hmm. sorts of things. Mm-hmm. I, I do think there is um, probably a need to not uh, just—I mean— you know, just check the box, like, okay, we did it, we had the conversation, we're done. I think there's there's more conversation to be had, and um, I really, I felt Brittany Steele's words where she talked about, you know, yeah. action is not necessarily, like, cr- we don't need to necessarily create a program or an initiative or a campaign or, <laughs> like, part of the action is this conversation right now, mm-hmm. like, just listening, to my story, me listening to your story and not yes. in a, not in a, uh, 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 because of, we want anybody to feel guilty or shameful or any of that. Right. Um, but this converse, th- this time is an action. This listening and growing together and becoming more unified and more understanding of each other is, a. Uh, is valuable and, and, yeah. and is an action in and of itself. I That's really a good point.
0: Really love that. Yeah, the uh, you know majority culture, affluent majority culture, loves to create committees mm-hmm. and come up with Fixed you know things. action plans and steps. And, and you're right. Sometimes, man, that that just that is a good mm-hmm. thing to do. That is in the doing. Is just listening. Mm-hmm. I, th- I was thinking of Psalm 139. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Right. Like, mm-hmm. th- I think. Uh, Part of just opening up and speaking what's on our hearts is, is part of mm-hmm. that, is part of inviting God to search us, which is kind of a scary thought, right? Like, oh my gosh, like, God know my heart and find out if there's any evil way in me. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a, that's a big step for people to take in general. And I think just talking about what's, what your thoughts and feelings are in front of a group like that mm-hmm. is um, maybe
1: part of that equation. I do think lament is very important. For the for the white church that we lament the historic failures of our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents um, and it, it and I don't mean the Brady household I just I mean our believing those that were related to as believers that came before us in America that didn't handle this well that sinned against brothers and sisters in Christ that we need to lament if we're not brought to lament, I I don't know that much change is going to take place going forward. Yeah, and
0: Brit uh, one of the things Brittany said, Brittany still said that I really resonated with was she brought up shame, mm-hmm. and I feel like like what you're talking about lament. There's lament, but then there's shame, mm-hmm. and I I think a lot of what um, a lot of people are wrestling with is feeling shame over the lament process or feeling like as opposed to the lament process you know or feeling like somebody is telling them they should feel shame that's what i was trying to say yes exactly and she had a great word she was like Mm -hmm. shame is not from the lord right like that's not a right like you know we can be guilty right we can we can be repentant we can lament um but we don't want to be just covered Mm -hmm. in shame
1: yeah we don't want to stay there i don't know that I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it exactly the way Brittany said. It. I think shame plays a, a, a role. We don't want to stay there. It's the love of God that brings us to repentance, Romans chapter two. So, shame is an appropriate feeling to have when we've act, acted shamefully, but we don't want to stay in shame. Right. We want to move through that because of the love of God. We want to move toward. We want a sorrow that leads to repentance. Is is how Scripture mm-hmm. says it. There, there's some sorrow that doesn't. It doesn't result in repentance. We want this sorrow over the historic. Uh, witness of the white church on civil rights issues, the failures. We want that, we want that sorrow to grow, address it, to, to lament it, uh, receive the forgiveness of God as a church and move on and mm-hmm. move forward. We don't want to get stuck in shame. Mm-hmm. Good word. And I, and I, and I, and to be fair to, to Brittany, she was saying it from her voice and perspective.
3: Mm-hmm. I don't want to mm. shame, shame anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, Feeling like that's not going to be her role and responsibility. Yeah. Um, so
2: well, because she was also speaking, in you know, to an audience who had said some things earlier in the night, and she was kind of direct, like making her comments, answering maybe a question or two that had been brought up. And so she, I think in that context, she was. I'm not meaning to shame anyone. I'm just saying, from my experience, mm-hmm. I can totally relate to the question people are asking: or what's the action here? Like, what is our why are we going through this? That's my nature is I kind of live in the future. I'm constantly thinking about actions. I am a problem solver. Um, and I heard, I listened to a podcast. I binged, I told you guys this already, but I binged podcasting this last couple of days. Um, and I have plenty of recommendations if anybody wants any. me, um, And one black pastor, I don't remember his name, but he was commenting after um, some discussion with dr tim keller and he had said that this this what you're talking about kelly this idea of lamenting and um mourning and grieving with with other people particularly in this this subject our you know black and brown brothers and sisters is is it has been lost and he was talking about the totality of someone who's um died and how if we see a situation let's say in the media where somebody let's just use George Floyd as an example he was murdered and he is gone now there's all these issues of whether you know he was a good person and is he he's a polarizing figure and you know there's a lot of discussion about whether that George Floyd needs to be the picture of injustice but he's still gone and his family is still mourning his death in and, and it's a representation to so many other people of what they've experienced. And I was really convicted by this pastor who said his family, his friends, his community, whoever, are mourning the totality. He's not coming back. So if we could just learn, and this is for me, if I could just learn to pause in that moment and put all the other issues, quote unquote issues, to the side and just mourn for the fact that there's been a life lost here.
1: Yeah, someone stood on his neck until he was dead. And, and he's th- and gone. That's, and that's, yeah. that was hard it, it, i feel like textually you're, you're saying let's cry with those who are crying
2: yeah and so when i hear i think it was robert still senior talk about his experiences mm-hmm. in wheaton mm-hmm. of experiencing racism maybe this meeting this past weekend was to pause and say that was wrong mm-hmm. we're your church body and we're we will pause and stop and just mourn with you we mm-hmm. will grieve with you and that was that's been one of the bigger takeaways for me as, as I've been unpacking this in the last several Sundays as you've been preaching and we've been talking about this is maybe my takeaway isn't the quick fix. Like maybe I want to go and find all the solutions, which is, a want to say a very white thing to say, but I'm not sure if that's true. Um, but it's to pause and say, it's okay to, to, it's important, not just okay, it's important to grieve. And there's people I think who were there on Sunday who maybe took that away with them as well? Like that could—they maybe thought they were coming to get some more action steps or argue or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But for them to walk away and say, "Oh, I should—I should just recognize mm-hmm. what's happening."
3: That's been, uh, I think, the biggest growth for me, or the lesson I've learned, and I haven't fully learned it. I'm still learning. But typically, <clears throat> my—you know—I'm 44 years old my large, largely the experience of my life has been when an issue is raised, social issue, injustice, or whatever, is to, is to attack the problem and come up with a mm-hmm. solution that fixes the issue that's going on. And there's, I'll, honestly, I'll be truthful to you, there's been times in my life where I have felt completely overwhelmed not able to sleep, not able to eat, not able, because of an overwhelming issue that I can't figure out exactly how to solve, or, or I don't have enough resources. Like, we, we need to g- get after this and do it, and it's not, and we're not making a difference. And like, I have felt that pressure, and I know other, many have felt mm-hmm. that. Um, and something that Carrie has actually been really helpful to me is when we started learning more about you know, becoming a, a family that's gonna have kids of color in our family, and we started kind of learning more about racial injustice and those sorts of things, one of the biggest takeaways is you just have to listen. Mm. That's your action. Your action is to learn more mm. about what this experience is like, and, and actually be quiet. Like, don't necessarily do stuff Mm -hmm. or say things. And that has been so difficult, personally, for me. It's like when I hear, when I hear, I used to like, when I would hear somebody of color share their experience, there was a part of me that wanted to immediately respond Mm -hmm. and say, how can I make that never happen for you again? Or I've wanted to justify myself to that person in saying things like, I, I want you to know I never took play I mm-hmm. never did that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like the, the, the token response of, I have black friends, mm-hmm. I you know. And so part of, the, I think, I think part of the difficulty in large part for, for our church is traditionally when GBC raises a social issue, or a problem or, or difficulty that we see, we typically come up with a really good strategy, plan, finance, whatever, to go after it. I can think of several things that we have gone after. We've done an adoption, there are, you know, adoption and foster care fund. We've done all sorts of different things. And I think on this issue, I, I think and I hope that the leadership of the church is learning. And hopefully the congregation is also learning that one of the action steps, one of the things we actually are doing is just learning and listening and processing. And certainly at some, at some point in our personal lives, there will be things that we can do to help uh, move the needle yep. on on racism in our country and racism in our, our church. But one of those things is just learning, processing, lamenting, um, and then sharing with our children what we've learned so that their experience is different than our experience,
1: so. It's been, an, you bring up children, my children are 25, 23, and I think 20, and, and they've been ahead of me on this. There's a generational gap here I believe within the church, all three of my kids love Jesus and uh, raised in the church and are following after Christ. and but there's a generational gap they're ahead of me on this, and I, I've had to catch up to try to keep up and getting feedback from them about the church, how they perceive the church they grew up in and and the growth they'd love to see in the church that, that they grew up in. Uh, my sense is they loved Glowing Bible Church and had a very positive experience here, but are under no no illusion that the church is perfect. Glowing Bible Church mm-hmm. is perfect, and so it's it's been a challenge for me at fifty three to to listen, as mm-hmm. you said, not only to the, the community of color, uh, both inside the church and outside the church, but to listen to my own kids and the younger generation and interact with them at at theological levels and in social. Commentary levels, so yeah. and, and, and I've asked them, what are you listening to? because there's a lot of content out there um, and, and I will say listening to different uh, somebody's story
2: mm-hmm. It's hard to argue with, yeah,
3: man, and it doesn't mean that you like endorse a certain, like, political thing or, like... To listen is, is not to you, agree you, or... You, you listen or- to a podcast, I'm mm-hmm. sure, Simone, and mm-hmm. all the podcasts mm-hmm. that you talked about and you, you were sharing some of them, you don't agree with a mm-hmm. 100% mm-hmm. of what was shared. Can we be okay with that? Mm-hmm. Can we be okay yeah. with listening and not having to send an email to the person that put that podcast out <laughs> about how... Right? Like
1: Well, the book we've selected, Be the Bridge, mm-hmm. It's not a perfect book. It's a great starting point. Right. It's a great starting point. I wouldn't have said everything the way she said it or even waded into the water she waded into, uh, but it's a great starting point, and we've recommended it and selected it because we believe that the pros outweigh the cons mm. in this book. Yeah. and let
3: me be clear. I'm not saying you doormat everything when... when no. And that's not what I'm saying, is that you don't ever respond or you don't ever take a stand or you don't you know, share your perspective. That's not what I'm saying at all, but I do think the vast majority of my personal life experience and those that I know and am friends with, that's not been our typical posture.
1: Well, I'll tell you, I'm running a, a group on Thursday nights. Um, it's for men. And uh, one of the challenges in running a men's group is to listen without planning your response. Mm. I mean, genuinely mm. to hear and then to give some reflective well, what I hear you saying is, X, let me pray for you. Mm-hmm. The, the challenge of really listening is, is under-cultivated.
2: I mean, that makes me immediately think of my relationship with the Lord. Like, how hard is it for me to sit and actually listen to what he's trying, but mm. constantly moving? And mm. I don't know, I, that's the first thing I thought of is yeah. my response. Yeah. <laughs> my response as you were talking. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, we just debriefed for 40 minutes and now we've got 26 questions. <laughs> All okay. right. Let's get into some of these questions. Okay. Uh, and into some more specifics here. First one up Did you speak to any people of color before writing Sunday sermon? If you did, whose voices did you learn from in order to prepare for this series?
1: Yeah, certainly I, I have been in conversation with people of color and done my best to learn, sit under, expose myself to their experiences as we were just talking about, you know, listening. So Robert Steele's been a huge influence on me. Um, John Vanderveld, Dan Moss, as uh, parents raising children of color, just listening to how different that experience is, has been a, a big deal. Robert Steele is a uh, Uh, a black man who serves on the elder board here, and just being exposed to his experience, hearing, um, yeah, just his experience. And then at a more, I would say, formal level rather than informal, I've also been working really hard over the last few years to expose myself to authors uh, of color. So Latasha Morrison, Be the Bridge, Mark DeMaz, uh, Building a Healthy Multi-Ethnic Church, Jeremy Tisby, The Color of Compromise, Esau McCulley, Reading While Black, Jonathan Perkins. Uh, John Perkins, I actually spent some time with uh, a few years ago. Uh, Visited him in Jackson, Mississippi while I was on sabbatical. This would be, I think, in 2007. And just being exposed to his experience. John, is John 80 now? Anyway, he marched with Martin Luther King Jr., and he wrote a book titled Let Justice Roll Down, and just being exposed to his perspective, his experiences, and his disappointment in the white. Church of America, and then Charlie Dates. I've been listening to him preach at Progressive Baptist Chicago. Wow, yeah, he's wow. awesome. he's pretty awesome. Wow, what a preacher! Yeah, I so, just listened to one of his sermons. Super this thankful for and 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 frankly, I his influence, man. I welcome his influence in America. So Wheaton um, College has a, a partnership with them with some student stuff. That's cool. Giving kids opportunities to learn. So, so I'm I'm doing my best uh, to to be influenced by people of color. Yeah, absolutely, so. You know, there's a tension there. I can only move so fast. My, my growth trajectory has been significant over the last few years on this topic, uh, but I'm still not getting it perfectly right, I'm sure of that, uh, in position or posture. So mm-hmm. I'm still learning, and. Um, I had somebody ask me, shouldn't
3: people of color be offering these sermons?
1: Can I respond to that, or do you have a response? no? Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I have a
3: response, but go ahead.
1: <laughs> so I met with uh, Hannibal. He's the new senior pastor at Wheaton Bible, uh, maybe a month ago, and I said, "Hey, man, well, you know, I'm so glad for the, your transition." Hannibal is uh, Latin, um, and he, um, you know, is leading this church that historically is, is all white and they're seeing lots of diversity there and I said Hannibal tell me a little bit about your, your last few years and Hannibal and said that you know, they had invited him maybe it's a year ago now to preach on the multi-ethnic nature of the church and in, in, in hindsight and in reflection he thought well that was probably a miss that the majority culture should have championed that cause rather than the minority culture. Mm-hmm. And he did it and he served and, and he felt it went well, but he just thought, and so I, from that conversation, I, I really wanted to, to listen and learn. I said, all right, so I think it'd be great to have uh, a person of color address us on this topic, but, but I, I also think that the majority culture needs to own this and step mm-hmm. to the plate and address historic mm-hmm. issues. Yeah, I think I it depends power. on, yeah, go mm-hmm. ahead. I think it depends on the speaker. I mean, you know, when I was at Park, um,
0: we, we were talking about, we talked about this for several years and it was a big initiative and we moved from, we made a lot of changes. We brought in um, new hires that were African-American campus pastors, lead team people, like all that kind of stuff. And as we got both, we had both. And I thought that was really beneficial. Like we heard from, you know, and we brought in, I I think we brought in dates um, a couple times, but we brought in. Other pastors from the area, not just for internally, um, but then we also had our internal lead pastor and mm-hmm. campus pastors speak into it too. Okay. And I, I thought that was good, just getting the different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think there's definitely a, a burden
3: that we put on people of color to uh, have to represent um, the and advocate for mm-hmm. themselves, and we all know that advocating for ourselves
2: people are tired
3: it's very Mm -hmm. difficult Mm -hmm. and exhausting and I think Matt you're right I think there definitely needs to be a place for people of color to share their experience and and um, and yet at the same time man it's really powerful when to your point Kelly the majority culture steps up and advocates Mm -hmm. not from a position of fully understanding Mm -hmm. like I don't fully understand and never will fully understand the Hispanic American, black American uh, experience. But there is something I can do to help advocate for their Mm -hmm. experience if I, to some degree. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's an opportunity, um, an opportunity to, the other thing that stuck out to me is I listened to this uh, podcast actually with Esau McCulley on it. And um, he said, uh, so Esau is a biblical scholar at Wheaton College professor. And he said, man, when in the last two years, I've received so many requests to come Mm. and speak at churches and stuff on the issue of CRT and um, all these different things. And he's like... I know nothing about that stuff. <laughs> he goes, right, right. I'll happily preach at your church about Hebrews because that's what I'm an expert in. Right. And so I just it made me chuckle. He was laughing through the the whole kind of sharing. But he's like, you know, I'm a biblical scholar mm-hmm. who studied under, and he you know listed off some people. This is what I'm an expert in. I'm still thinking about and learning about just because I'm African American. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean mm-hmm. that I know all about these racial, you know, issues and things like that which I th- I thought was
2: yeah. I just appreciate the That's person good. asking this question. I'm I'm gonna make an assumption that they're asking. They want to know how you're influenced or what who you've been influenced by. Um, I heard actually I, it was a podcast from Latasha Morrison where she talked about if we're as white people in a culture not listening, reading, following, studying under people of color, that how are we to even know the narrative? How do we even know the story and the pain and the um, the experiences that our black and brown brothers and sisters have experience, and I, again, convicted. I was like, that's a great point. I mean, started following other people years ago intentionally, but if I would say in general, if we don't have any influence and any influencers in our life, anybody that we're following that thinks differently than us on this subject matter and others, we are uh, putting ourselves, like we're only hearing from people that agree with us. And that's just dangerous, mm-hmm. my personal opinion, I think that's dangerous. Um, I would add, can I add three women to your list? You can, you can look them up if you don't trust me. Um, Joe Saxton. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Not that you don't trust me, but. <laughs> yeah, wow. Jackie Hill yeah. Perry and Priscilla Schreier are three black women that I follow, and they are full of wisdom. And- Joe who? Joe Saxton, she's she's British. <laughs> and was she, that your... Yeah, t- that was... Wow. That was uh, yeah. Did you like that? Yeah,
0: okay. coming out of the show a little bit. Right. <laughs> no, I feel like I'm fleshy. <laughs>
2: um, she lives in Minnesota, of all places, but she is a phenomenal Bible teacher. Fun. Mm-hmm. And then Fun. Jackie Hill Perry is... Are you familiar with her? Oh, yeah. Okay, and yep. then um, Priscilla... She writes Sh-
1: on LGBTQ issues that I've yeah. read.
3: What's interesting is, it. I think t- what you're getting at here is that, uh, or sharing a little mm-hmm. bit, is that Latasha is a little bit unique because she's written on race, but some of like we need to listen to people of color. Mm. And not other just on issues yes. of color yes, that's exactly what I was. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I was trying to say. That's, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. and and you know the the um, Kelly, you and I have talked at length about, and and several are having the conversation about there needs to be more material coming to the American church out of the global south. Mm. Like African pastors are starting to write and share about their experience. They're the healthiest, fastest growing church in the country right now and America is dwindling. We would all say, what do we, what can we learn over the last 20 years from places like China and Africa and from their experience and how can we help some of those voices be, be shared. Oh, to promise, to yeah. Esau's point, like let's listen to Esau because he's a great biblical scholar who mm-hmm. comes from a lens of a person of color, yeah. not because mm-hmm. he's simply a person of color and mm-hmm. can help us learn more about mm-hmm. color.
2: Yeah. And you know this already, but um, Latasha Morrison's story came from a highly influential white woman with look like Bible teacher who knew she had something to offer. And her organization is the one who launched yeah. Latasha into a space that she wasn't even asking for. I mean, yeah. her curriculum came from that then the organization and then the book. I mean, it was somebody realizing you have something to say that we mm. can learn from and gave her a platform. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that is to me, what makes that even a more powerful story is Latasha wasn't like knocking on the door saying, let me in. Yeah. Someone invited her in and say, yeah. you have a word. Let's hear it.
1: That's good. All right. All these are many of these resources are on the diversity page. Go to gebible dot uh, org slash diversity. Cool. Right? Yeah. yeah, you got it right.
0: All right, let's go to the next one. Kelly mentioned that he had asked long-standing members of the congregation whether they were aware of historic acts of racism. Were those long-standing
1: members people of color? Some were, uh, but let's be honest, we don't have a lot of people of color um, to to survey. So. um, uh, a longtime friend of mine named Valencia Breckinridge, um, a person of color she since moved away miss her uh, in the fellowship here at glow Bible Church um, but she would often share with me not overt acts of racism but just uh, implicit bias and um, microaggressions um, that she had to she had to endure while here um, and then Robert Steele again. Um, Robert, in fact, mentioned at the next level discussion last Sunday afternoon that he was not aware of any overt acts of racism here at Glowing Bible Church historic, um, but that he had experienced some personal acts of just unconscious bias and um, that were something to endure. So I, you know, we don't we don't have many to survey, uh, and but certainly open to learning there. If if there's something we need to lament as a congregation, man, we're eager to do that. If we've if we've missed it, I'm I actually feel very very good that we've come up kind of without any you know, overt acts of racism. I, I wish that we had some data on, you know, what was Blown Bible Church doing in the 1960s as civil rights? I mean, Chicago was a hotbed of civil rights activity in the 1960s. How was going Bible Church navigating that? Were we participating? Were we vocal? So I just don't have that data.
0: All right, let's, uh, let's go to the next one. Only 4.7% of DuPage County is black. It will be difficult to have more black people at GBC, won't it? Shouldn't we be building bridges to other racial ethnic groups if we want to be multi-ethnic?
1: Yes, we should be building bridges, and I think we're doing a good job at it. We have a great start. The Care Center, for example, I mean, if it's, it's like a United Nations experience mm. here, mm. if you come to our Care Center. Our Care Center is... Um, once a month, third, uh, third Wednesday of the month, and we um, invite those who are under-resourced into our building and want to care for them, and I think, you know, I'll ballpark this, five different language groups are usually uh, represented there, and it's just, it's a beautiful community. The Karen Church, that with whom we share our building with each week, um, you know, they're from uh, Burma, I think I'm getting that. Uh, I think they prefer a different descriptor, but it's a Karen church, um, a linguistic group, and so we love that, and um, so yeah, we're trying there, we're keeping aware. The reason I have spent the last two weeks on black-white is because of the historic uh, miss on the white church's um, posture and position. and. And frankly, you know, the African-American people group were, were the ones who were enslaved. And the church missed the opportunity to rally and advocate for the oppressed. And in some cases, actively oppressed that group. And so I, this week, I think, you know, as we move into uh, Paul, Peter, the epistles of the New Testament, there'll be a, a broadening of that it's, it's really an issue of all ethnicities. And I should say, well, I'll save that. There's a, there's a question later uh, in the podcast on this. But uh, it's interesting, just really quick, I, I, I looked up the um, demographics of District 87. Fascinating district uh, gra- uh, demographics. So District 87 serves Glenbard South, Glenbard West, which is right downtown Glen Ellyn, Glenbard East and Glenbard North. Glenbard's District 87 high school district has more minority students than white students. So 6.5% black, 16.4% Asian, 25.8% Hispanic. So, which totals 48.7% minority. Well, they only have 47% white. Uh, that's interesting to me. Um, I, I was taken aback by that. And it's different just one town over in Wheaton's District uh, 200. Um, so District 200 has 63% uh, white, uh, where Glenbard's District 87 only has 47%. So there's a, a significant difference there, just one town over. The total minority count in District 200 is 21%. So yes. We need to be. We need to be um, open, actively pursuing uh, every nation, tribe, language, and people group for discipleship.
0: Yeah, yeah. As a Mexican, it, um, yeah, I mean, the black and white, and for obvious reasons, but black and white typically. Trump's you know, conversation. It does. It yeah. just takes over and bleeds into that at some point. And I, I appreciate the Asian, the Asian man that yeah, got Ken up and Park. spoke at the. Yeah. Like, yeah, he looked up at the at our graphic and he was like, "Where are the Asians?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was just choking. He was like, right. kind of like, "Come on, lighten up." <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, um, uh, it's different, right? Like, obviously, our experiences are, are different. Um, I think Hispanics have been discriminated against and you hear a lot of vitriol when it comes to uh you know border crossings and stuff like that and um but yeah i i I think about that sometimes when we're in a conversation and it mainly just turns to black and white kind of like hey hey guys me too right?" right but you know i get it um Okay. Let's keep rolling. Let's go to the next one. (laughs) Do you think it's possible that GEBC may not be doing anything wrong at all? That certain groups of people are more comfortable worshiping together. It doesn't mean that the church or the people in the church are racist. So my question and comment is why is it wrong for all white people to to get together and it's okay for other people of color to get together?
1: Do I think it's possible that GEBC is doing... Nothing wrong at all. I doubt it. I mean, I, I mean, I know my own heart. To you know, I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> There's sin in my life. I'm sure. And on this topic, I, I've discovered prejudice and and, and outright racism. I think that Glowing Bible Church is probably not so unique within the white churches of America that it we would be without racism in our church. I mean, um, so I, I just you know, I think we're fairly. Average church, and that's okay, and I would assume that there would be racism among our congregation that needs to be rooted out by the holy spirit's good work. The second question here is, is it really wrong for white people to worship together yeah, can I just go back to that first part yes. too is like I think there's a little bit of
3: why are we preaching about this if we haven't done anything in the past, we're not actively doing something now, and like there there's a little bit of like why are you
1: can yeah, we talked so, about that, about the cultural
3: moment. Yeah, okay, so the, cult, the cultural moment. But I would also offer that we don't just, like, like, we don't take a temperature to say what we're always healthy in and then say, let's just avoid. Like, mm-hmm. you know that we're supposed to eat vegetables. It doesn't mean I tell my kids, I never say to my kids, you know vegetables are healthy. Right. You should keep eating them. Yeah. So part of it to me is if that's actually the place where we're at, we should take this message as fuel mm. on the fire. Like if we haven't committed overt acts, if we feel like we're in a good place, okay. then man, what an opportunity to, to, champion. Be, to mm-hmm. be, to hear what you're saying from the pulpit and to read this paper and go, let's help mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. who aren't with mm-hmm. us right now. Let's, can we be a champion for this? Can we, mm-hmm. can we raise it up? Like I don't, it doesn't necessarily mean that every word that's offered from the pulpit Although challenging and, and uh, pushing doesn't mean that it's um, corrective. Right, Kelly? I mean, is that a oh, fair absolutely. way to say it? Like, right. Just because we took on this topic, which we rarely preach topical sermons, just because we took it on in recognition of the cultural moment and some of the past stuff that the American church has been a part of doesn't mean that we're attacking our current church and saying that we've done something
2: mm-hmm.
3: diabolically wrong, It can. It, there are some that need correction, but maybe the vast majority just need to be inspired.
2: Yeah. I want to say to those people, stop being so defensive, which I don't think is a very nice thing to say. What I thought was a much nicer approach was Robert Steele saying, we all haven't had abortions, but yet we care about the sanctity mm. of human life. So maybe you're not racist, but you should still care about this because it is the heart of the gospel. Yeah. I mean, you cannot you cannot read and watch, and not watch, but like visualize in your mind the way Jesus did ministry right. and not see him touch on the marginalization of people and almost all that he, I mean, and, and so much of what he did. Right. So instead of me being like, stop being so defensive. Yeah, good abo- for you for not being racist.
3: The abortion example was so good. phenomenal because you have passionately preached and shared statistics multiple times from the pulpit about how bad abortion is, Mm -hmm. how dangerous it is, how how anti-gospel it is. Mm-hmm. And we have all, I think the vast majority in our church would say yes, exactly. yes and want to hear more of sure. you saying that. right? And I, I think we, the, the lens that we can look at what, you're, what you have done in the last two sermons and what we've done with the paper and, and, and bringing up this conversation is, can we look at it with that lens? Mm-hmm. Yes, we championing,
1: we're championing this with you. Yeah, if the Holy Spirit is, uh, searches your heart and, and you, you come up without prejudice, any unconscious bias or racism, praise the Lord. Um, and if, if a majority of our church, you know, the Holy Spirit is at work and searches our hearts and comes up with that, but man, praise God. But let's seize that opportunity. Let's, let's not bear our head in the sand and say that racism isn't a problem nationally. And let's not pretend that the, the historic white church has handled it well and let's become champions of the cause let's fight for the marginalized let's cry with our 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 brothers and sisters of color and let's let's work for equality so on to the second
0: question yeah is it wrong is it wrong the second part of this question is it wrong for
1: white folks to worship with white folks and black folks to worship with black folks no I wouldn't say it's wrong Uh, it's a burden uh, how do I want to say it, it it's not wrong. Um, and I should also say, when the, when the throne of God is described as every nation, tribe, and language group around the throne, the, eth- the ethnos, the ethnicities, are still intact. Mm-hmm. In other words, they're still speaking their languages. Mm-hmm. They, it's the coming together. In other words, the vision of the church is not to eradicate culture. Or color. Or color, right. Mm-hmm. It's to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Uh, vive la difference. So, you know, let's enjoy uh, the the differences between the people groups. What The burden is a missional burden. It's not wrong uh, for whites to worship with whites and blacks to worship with blacks. What is, what's the burden or the opportunity is, when I see that District 87, 48% of the district in which our church is situated, 48%. It are people of minorities, and clearly, forty-eight percent of our congregation is not a minority congregation. We're missing an opportunity. We're we're not r- reaching the community as it's represented to our fullest. And so, I, I want to make I want to call us to a sensitivity to our community and to bridge cultural barriers with the gospel. That's it.
3: I think it's good too to do a check right like is there I had this great conversation with somebody on Monday morning that um, we don't always know if there's something that we're doing unintentionally that's causing a um, stratification within the body, which Paul clearly says there should be no divisions you shouldn't so. It might, we may need to be reflective at times to make sure that the way that we organize our Sunday gatherings, the things that we participate in and our programs and those things are not, whether intentional or unintentionally, um, unaccommodating or not unwelcoming hmm. to our community. Right. Mm-hmm. We're, it's, we're it, not easily accessible. Right. We should be asking ourselves, okay there's not a whole lot of people of color here. What are we doing? Mm. Not because the goal is to hit a certain percentage or marker or anything like that, but I think It's we, to remove barriers to
1: gospel ministry.
3: Yeah, there may be things, and I don't want to, you've used yourself as an example, but you have told me- I have problems. There's things <laughs> that you used to say- Yes. In the pulpit, and you have learned and grown, and you don't say those things- mm-hmm. Anymore. You don't use that terminology or you don't, you know, those are things, that's a good reflection, growth, change,
1: right? Yes, yeah, yeah. and I've actually been to seminars uh, led by Ruby Payne. She educates educators. She uh, makes her way around the country and helps teachers in public schools understand how to bridge socioeconomic gaps in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it, my... My vocabulary, uh, you know, I have a doctorate, so I, I have a fair bit of education. My vocabulary can all actually be off-putting. And so I've thought about, well, you know, in the pulpit, how can I be more accessible for, for a broader swath of people? How can I right. can Is that I? why be? you don't say pericope as much, anymore?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I just think of the, a lot of things that have changed that we've learned. I mean, Simone, you've been super helpful in helping us talk about um, trafficking. Mm. And and all that goes on mm-hmm. and the terms to use mm-hmm. that if someone were involved in that or mm-hmm. came out of that mm-hmm. and we're sitting here and we use some of those terms they would feel like we are insensitive mm-hmm. uninformed at best mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. you know
1: uh, intentional mm-hmm. to be at honest, worst my you know? my initial re- expo- exposure to trafficking was Pretty Woman.
2: Right. Oh, I mean, that was yeah. that was the
1: that was mm-hmm. the breadth of my education. Mm-hmm. Still on waiting
2: for Julia Roberts mm-hmm. to redo that one. Yeah, and I <laughs> take it back. I wonder if, if they could <laughs> do over button. Mm, do over. Yeah. Just, but, so in all that I've learned,
1: that was painful. Mm-hmm. It was a mm-hmm. painful representation. But I have
2: a me. really really close friend. I don't think she would mind me sharing this. Who made a comment about prostitution last week in like a derogatory? And she texted me later. She's like, I am so sorry. That was so insensitive. And I, I personally am not offended because of of my life, but I got where she was coming from and I just love that she caught it. And so you're right. Words really, really matter. And, um, I think that's part of the education process that we're on is, is
1: somebody asked Sunday night about what was it like in, in the elder board as y'all work through this? And, and there was, there was a time in one of the elder meetings, I should have shared this, that I said something that just exposed my ignorance mm. and my bias, mm. and I, it went unaddressed for about twenty minutes. <laughs> and finally, I stopped the conversation that was still going. I said, "Men, can we just swing back and can I say sorry for how I described this? Mm. I, it's hurting me that it's it's not being addressed. That I said something so stupid." And, you know, I met with grace and forgiveness. And The best part of
3: what you did, though, was not that you did... That was awesome. But I will say, because I was in the room, when you said, did anybody catch it? And 100% of the men said... Mm. Yeah, we caught it. You said Mm. something stupid. You said something stupid. We heard (laughs) it. Mm. There was grace offered in that moment. But then you said... That's not who I want to be. That's not who Mm. I want to be. And if you hear it again, call me me out on it. I I was a... It was a Mm. good moment Mm -hmm. in that room because Mm -hmm. it showed Mm -hmm. me that we were learning and growing as a group to, Mm -hmm. to hear those things. Mm -hmm. And then you had offered yourself the, Hey, correct me in the future. Don't let, don't just sit there.
1: Right. That was awesome. So I, man, I just, we got, if we're going to grow, (laughs) you know, when we say we want to grow as a congregation on this topic, what we're saying is we need correction and there's going to be awkward moments where we stick our feet in it and. So you, mm. know, you need to be gracious. I, I
0: wanted to say that I've, I've been a part of, um, we were talking about this earlier, but for the listeners out there, um, I've been a part of a, a, what I would consider a, a really, truly multi-ethnic church and not just m- this, the you know melon in one skin, but socioeconomically, like just mm. different, like seriously mm. different. Um, and and it was a reflection of the community around it. It was in Rogers Park, which is unbelievably diverse. And um, it, was, it was really cool. It was, there was... Um, and you could look out on the congregation and not be able to put the percentages where you want. I mean, it was that. It was like, I, we're, it, this is just mixed, mm-hmm. right? And um, there was a ton of benefit from it. Like, there was a ton of good from it. So getting back to the question, is it wrong or right? Um, I kind of look at it like, you know, is it wrong to attend a church but but not like you know you're not like 100% in with programming or, or meeting people and really but you know you go and you're you attend faithfully and it's like if you did dig in deeper if you did form more intimate relationships i think you would see and experience god in a different way and i think it's that it's that's true for the multi uh, mm-hmm. cultural multi ethnic church it's like it you can do it this one way but if you are able to do it in a multi-ethnic way i think you'll experience god in unique ways yeah you
3: and i talked a little bit about like you know the the um part of what we were doing as a church as followers of jesus is ushering in the kingdom of god bringing the kingdom of god to to the earth so people can see and experience and enjoy it and it's not in its fullness But there's a picture of what it is like in its fullness, in its every tongue, tribe, and nation represented. So can we help bring that experience to earth? So that, to your point, Matt, so that people have this, it's this other level you kind of experience. Yes. It's, yes. There, is a, there is at times a more heavenly mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. because you're hearing... Something from a different language or perspective. I mean, we've all traveled overseas and gone to church in a different context. And um, I mean, like we were in a village church in Zambia just two weeks ago. I preached in the church, but the, the music and the worship was... So cool. I mean, yeah. there's two different languages even yeah. represented there. There's Mbunda and Lozi, and both are saying. Which do you speak? Neither. <laughs> Did you have an interpreter? I know when the when translator is butchering yeah, what I'm yeah. saying, but that's, <laughs> about, <laughs> that's about it. Anyway, my, you know, there's yeah. a, there's um, it's there's a missed opportunity. Yeah, there, it's there like is. It's like eating the same food all the time, mm. right? And and you know, we get glimpses, like you know, Matt. I think you've done some things with music. Mm. Around Christmas, we had these, you know, different types of instruments and
1: music play. We had a gospel choir come and. Uh, not many of you remember this, but in Gihi and in Falani led a song in worship here once. There are Congolese missionaries. They're, they're Congolese. They came to Wheaton's grad school. Our congregation fell in love with them, and now we support them in Congo as they do ministry. She was here on the platform. You talk about a cultural moment as she led us in a, a, a Congolese worship song. Um, it was. It was. It was beautifully powerful, and you got a sense just how much we were missing out, and how much there is to look forward to in heaven. Uh, to your, if you've not traveled overseas and been in a worship experience cross-culturally, man, you just get the sense of how big the church is. And, and that's what I really long for, is this sense of just how big the church is. I stated Sunday in most services that Christianity is the most socially diverse religion on earth. It's and it's yep. the most socially yes. malleable. Yep. Meaning um, the gospel has inroads into every culture. I, I I don't have to become American, praise God, in order to embrace Christianity. And so yeah, just it's fine if white people worship with white people, but man, we're we're missing out on the buffet mm. that's out there of mm. other cultures. Yeah. You know I don't. You know obviously we don't have the uh, action
0: plan right now in the action steps but like I would imagine it involves a lot more than just church programming. Hmm. Yeah. It involves a lot more than let's do some different worship and let's let's you know have Kelly have a different delivery style and <laughs> let's you know you do this and style. do that and people you know, need it, to say
3: amen more. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean this yeah. 48% in district 87 that you're talking about um we're not going to find them And I'm saying us and uh, we're um, when we keep living life the way that we live it and they'll go to the same places that we go and I mean, we've talked about it a lot, right? This physical location 501 has barriers. You walk down the street and eat at any of these restaurants and you will see very little of this 48.7% because the folks in this 48.7% don't want to spend $14 on a tuna sandwich. Like, you know, and go to BlackBerry. No offense, I love BlackBerry. But I'm just saying, like, it's just not. Right. We, we, we are going to have to change our lives. Yeah. Uh, it, it, to, you're, what you're saying is our,
3: our individual li- life experience represents yes. itself
0: in our church experience. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah and if you shake that boat, people, That's a, get, people get uncomfortable.
0: Right. It is easy to point the finger at church and have us change our stuff. Mm-hmm. but we we are the ones that go out and fish right like yeah. mm-hmm. i mean what 's interesting too is um, I had a conversation Kelly I think you
3: were you were there. we were talking with an African American pastor who 's not too far from here um, has a church, and he said you know don't forget that that white america the white American church is a culture too. You have things yes. to share mm-hmm. he wants he 's trying to grow a multi-ethnic church he's like there are some beautiful things about the the white church in America that can and should be exported. Yeah, It's not that that the black church does this perfectly and good and everything, and we should all become more like them or the Hispanic church or the Karen right. church. It actually, neat, there is a white culture and a white church experience That's that valuable. has value and beauty yeah. and should be replicated and a part of the all tongues, tribes, nations represented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't, he was really encouraging. He's like, don't beat yourself up that you don't
0: have anything good or offer. Right. Or what you're doing is wrong. That or- reminds me of this story. Um, I'll just, I'll share it real quick. We'll go to the next question. But um, there was, uh, there was an African-American man that came to one of our services at uh, the the main campus of Park, which is in Cabrini Green. and um, And he was clearly from the neighborhood, like, you know, he stood out from everybody else. Right. And I just sat next to him. was like, Hey, what's up, man? I'm Matt. You know, just kind of uh, shot the breeze with him a minute. And he said, I like this. This yeah. is a thinking man's church. Yeah. <laughs> no, <that's laughs> you good. know, it's just it's different to your point. Like we're not trying to throw all of this out. We're trying to, you know take the best parts of what we all do and put it together and do like it together that. yeah i right. met a
3: i met a guy when we were in in zambia he's a pastor there and he handed me a book that he had written on on prophecy and his experience with prophecy where it comes from in scripture and he handed it to me and he's like would you read this i'd love to get your thoughts and i'm kind of working my way through it it's not a it's not a thick book but it's 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 so far it's been really helpful and, and good. It's got unique thoughts that are contextual to his experience. And he goes um, he goes. You know what I could get what I need from you is some help in some uh, policy establishment at our church. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he goes, well, we just you know we're missing here here here. And he's talking about all these different issues. And I was like, we've been around almost eighty five years, and we have a manual, and I'd be happy to share it with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I emailed him yeah. the, the elder manual that goes back to the foundation of our church. Mm-hmm. I mean, ask a topic about church governance. It's in our manual. Wow.
0: <laughs> right, right.
3: <laughs> and I sent it to him, you know, I emailed it to him. And he was like, this is so helpful. We're already going through this part. You know, it was a picture mm-hmm. to me of that. Mm-hmm. He, he's sharing something to, with me from his cultural experience in African prophecy. And I was able to share something that, you know, we happen to do good. <laughs> organized and policies and (laughs) structures and systems and all those sorts of things and we were able to export that so
1: well hello glennel bible church our one commercial today we want to promote the be the bridge discussion As an action point in the process of working on racial equality, justice, and unity, we're encouraging the congregation to enter into a discussion. The the discussion will be moderated. We'll break people into small groups. You can register online. Registration will start at the end of the week. Groups will be forming. They're four weeks long. They'll meet on Sunday afternoons from 3 to 4.30. We realize not everybody will be able to make that time slot. If that time slot doesn't work for you, don't hesitate to reach out to Pastor Staff, let us know. And if other groups, that is, if other leaders are identified, then we'll launch other groups during the week. But to kick it off, um, we want to discuss together the book Be the Bridge and hope that you'll join us Sunday afternoons from 3 to 4:30. Registration to begin towards the end of the week. All right, let's go to the next one. I have a question about the letter Tim LaHaye wrote to Wheaton
0: College that was featured in Kelly's sermon. It seemed like the college wanted to honor MLK's good work on civil rights. LaHaye, on the other hand, seemed focused on MLK's theology. Is it not okay to question a pastor's theology if that pastor accomplished good things on a political issue like civil rights? What's more
1: important? I think it's fine to critique a pastor's theology. I think it's required that we critique a pastor's theology. But the memorial service, as the listener identifies, was aimed at honoring the civil rights leader in his leadership in civil rights it was not aimed at celebrating his theological position so in my estimation LaHaye was throwing up what might be called a red herring he he was drawing attention to the theological differences to discredit mlk's civil rights leadership which i don't think helps Uh, why can't christians celebrate truth Everywhere, rather than only truth when represented by the people in our camp, I, I get it. I don't agree with all MLK's theology, but if we're waiting to honor only those who are perfect theologically, then we've got a while to wait. We're not mm. going to get to honor anybody. I should also mention, and you can Google just Google Tim LaHaye and Hudson Armerding letter. And it'll pop up. I should also mention there is a portion of the letter in which LaHaye condemns MLK's civil rights work because it, coincidentally, resulted in seven pe- 17 people being killed, that is, killed during the demonstrations. But they were killed as they were being attacked by police and firemen. Mm. And I find myself wondering why LaHaye didn't acknowledge that some 4,000 black Americans had been lynched between 1920 mm. and 1950. In other words, yes. Yes, we, we're to critique MLK's theology uh, from a pastoral perspective, but that's not what was going on in that letter. He was, he was not wanting Wheaton College to celebrate this man as a civil rights leader. And, and I, that's a miss. I mean, why can't, the, why can't we celebrate the good work of people both inside our camp theologically and outside our camp theologically? Uh, like Mahatma Gandhi. I mean, he's not in our camp theologically, was not in our camp theologically by any stretch. Uh, But we can honor him and the work he did for the civil rights of Indians against colonial British rule. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, uh, let's go to the next one.
0: I am heartened and ardently support GEBC's first step toward racial justice with the position paper and community meeting. Two questions. Number one, what local Black and, and Latin faith leaders have the elders consulted to, re, to review and provide input to our position paper and to broaden and deepen perspectives in this work?
1: Yeah, honestly, we need to do a, <laughs> a better job in this respect, uh, building bridges uh, to churches of color. It's, it's something that no doubt is it will be an action point in, in the years ahead. And we've already started work on it. Um, I reached out to Esau McCulley. Esau McCulley, um, has already been mentioned. He's a Wheaton college, um, biblical scholar and a person of color. Esau simply said, I don't have the bandwidth to do this. I don't know if you know, but Esau is probably recording a podcast daily. I mean, the man is hyper busy and, uh, I've also reached out and over the last few years gotten to know Kevin Williams of, of Second Baptist. Second Baptist is a church in Wheaton uh, that's um, African American church, and and I've gotten to know him a little bit and and trying uh, to broaden the influence locally in that respect on me. I've also I, I know Paul Arthur's a little bit over the last few years. He runs Wheaton Christian Center up on North Avenue. And um, so I've had his influence in my life at some point. Also, Greg Armstrong, John mentioned him earlier, Renew Church. Is it Renew or Renewal? It's Renew. Yeah, and I went to that church uh, during my sabbatical. They meet at Northern Baptist Seminary in Lyle on Sunday mornings. It's a great church. Um, And um, yeah, so I'm... (laughs) John mentioned that Greg Armstrong's church, Renew Church, they're trying to broaden their multi-ethnic experience. They're actually you know, trying to get um, Anglos, white people, I- involved in leadership there in order to broaden the experience. So this goes both ways. Interesting. Um, John, I- you had somebody that... Oh, I was just going to say, it's not a person of color, but um, I
3: spent a decent amount of time in conversation with a good friend of mine, Kevin Sampson. They planted uh, Renewal church in west chicago it's a multi-ethnic church he is a white pastor but he has a heart for and a, their mission is specifically to become a a multi-ethnic church in west chicago and and he shared some he's he has shared some you know really valuable lessons in that whole process and what he's learned and so
0: all right uh, let's go to the next one on the subject of going multi-site Have we considered finding a church already in the area with whom we could partner, using our assets to support, build up, or even partner with that church to amplify their impact rather than add another church to the county? This could be a way to leverage our privilege and support leadership of color, as Charlie Date suggested in his message, The Most Segregated Hour in America, at the MLK50 conference in April 2018.
1: Yeah, we have considered this, and we're open to the possibility of of supporting a church that... um, That is multi-ethnic and that, you know, as as the listener says, we can use our privilege to empower. So, in fact, we have done just that in recent months. John, maybe you could speak to it. There's a church that's planning in South Carroll Stream and will have a, has the potential of having a uniquely multi-ethnic flavor in South Carroll Stream and and we've helped with them. We're also in talks right now with the church locally about the possibility of adoption. They've approached us and they, and and there's a real potential there of empowering a, a smaller church and blessing them and expanding our disciple-making footprint by coming alongside them. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, the church in South Carroll Stream, um, they are, they're launching.
3: They either just launched or they're about to launch, but uh, had a great conversation with them. And the, they're meeting in the OCM
1: building community ministry south coast yeah Street
3: they have a gathering space there center, and, yeah. and so they're renting space there and he reached out to me and said hey do you have any equipment sound equipment or anything like that to get started and um so we did not have any equipment to donate but we gave them a, a financial donation to to begin their uh, worship ministries and be able to have sound equipment in their building so i'll mention
1: he actually said do you have any parishioners yeah, <laughs> that could help us get started. We need momentum and we need attendance momentum. So, talk about a great way to help. Oh my gosh. Wow. A ten church that's planting in the South Carroll Stream Community Center as a way to help them gain attraction in worship. Man, go do it. And I will say they are not they are in Glendale Heights
3: meeting in that community center because yeah. that community center uh draws what do you uh, mean they're
1: in, so he, their offices. His, yeah. no, well, they're offices,
3: yeah. Well, his family yeah. put themselves in a neighborhood in Glendale Heights with the purpose of wanting to Diverse, have a church, right. a multi-ethnic mm-hmm. church in Glendale Heights, and the first way that they can get kind of started is just across North Avenue in the South Carroll Stream Community Center, which is a familiar location to that community. Yeah. So uh, I think his hope eventually is to have- North of North Avenue. Yeah, a yeah. building and a, and, a, and a space there, but they're, they're getting going um, in Carroll Stream. So. All
0: right, uh, two more. With Black Lives Matter, how would you address those who say all lives matter? I'm asking because I've heard and seen extreme sides from both, and I don't know how to respond. I'm against all forms of racism.
1: I would say all, all lives do matter to God, but not all lives are equally threatened. Mm. So, JV helped me on this. Uh, I, I don't know if you remember saying this, but um, when we say black lives matter, it, I picture a neighborhood, my street has, I think, 20 homes on the street. And, and, if, and all homes on the street matter, but one home on the street is on fire. So I look down the street and I say, that home matters. Let's go help it. And that's what we're saying when black lives matter. We're saying they are under unique strain, unique threat. They're, in some cases, being attacked. And so we're saying their life matters. Yeah, all lives on the block, our homes on the block matter, but that one's on fire, let's go help them.
3: Yeah, I think you can say black lives matter because all lives matter. Mm -hmm. And I think we just need need to relax. A little bit. (laughs) Like, just because someone is saying, let's fight breast cancer, doesn't mean that your colon cancer doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So just because someone says, let's stop smoking, doesn't mean, and has a campaign for it, doesn't mean that your campaign to stop drug use doesn't matter. My point is that there are certain moments and times and... you know, it's okay, we can say Black Lives Matter in a way and, and, and have, you said it from the, the pulpit, we're all bright enough to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're all bright enough to know, like it's, it's okay. No one, no one is saying your life doesn't matter and if they are, that's a different conversation but there was a unique cultural moment where it was clearly uh, expressed and shown that the house was, it was on fire, mm-hmm. so let 's raise awareness of that and right. you know i, I don 't have a Black Lives Matter sign in my yard simply because it can be interpreted by everybody in a in a lot of different ways it's not a it 's not helpful I get it I get why why. It doesn't, um, it isn't always helpful in the conversation, but I think we can just, it's okay for a moment to say black lives matter. They haven't always mattered in the way that they should. Other lives have mattered more than black lives. So let's raise some awareness there. Just like breast cancer did not always get the attention it deserved. It was swept under the rug, it was something that wasn't talked about, and there was an organization called Susan B. Coleman who came up with the pink campaign to raise a ton of awareness because it was a secret cancer that no one ever talked about because it involved that part of the anatomy. Mm -hmm. Susan G. Coleman gives tons of money to Planned Parenthood and other
1: organizations. Yeah, we would never mm. jump on board with Susan G. Komen,
3: but we can still say breast cancer's bad. <laughs> totally, and there are, uh, there are times when you might wear pink as part of a, a something that, you know. Wear the ribbon. Yeah, whatever it is, and maybe some people don't because of Susan G. Komen. You have every right to do whatever you want to do. My point is, it's, it's, we, can, we can relax on it a little bit. It's
2: okay. We'll be okay. Mm. <laughs> mm. It's good. I just don't like signs in my yard. I'm just going to say that. No signs. No signs at all. No you weed. know, do the, the mm-hmm.
1: athletic signs? My kid is, is a better football player than your kid. No, either. I actually
2: don't. And then my kids think it's funny, until so they'll, they'll sneak him in, and it gets me mad. I oh, just that's don't, funny. I just I'm going to find signs and stick them yes. in your front yard. <laughs> all
0: right, all right. Let's go to the last one, and um, we're going to shift gears and go to worship. Yay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> last,
1: last question.
0: And you've written a term paper on this. Oh, uh, my uh, yeah, gosh, yeah, look at all that. You know what? it's what, what can I say I get, I get one worship question out of you know I, I get one question out of a hundred podcasts but I know quarterly. everyone wants to add, you know you get this question quarterly
1: quarterly right, right so let right. me I'll, I'll read it Matt why do we sing worship <laughs> songs that are focused on I and me rather than ones that focus on Christ
0: well, demographic, who must be in there? No, kidding. Um, here we go. Uh, we try to sing. No, I, I appreciate this question. I respect it. Um, and, I, and I think I understand where it comes from. I hope. Here's my answer. We try to sing songs that reflect the emotional range of the Psalms and also the writing perspective of the Psalms. So I'm just plucked out a few Psalms between 90 and 100 here. Psalm 91, my refuge, my fortress. Psalm 93, the Lord reigns. Psalm 95, let us Sing songs of praise. Psalm 96, sing to the Lord. Command, you, sing to the Lord. Right? So, right there, we've got four different perspectives of of writing. Um, It's also important to remember that because a song's perspective may be first person, that doesn't automatically make the first person the hero or subject of the story. Um, I just want to quickly look at each one of these songs because sometimes you can just kind of feel a certain way. It's going to be fast. Sometimes you can feel a certain way and just Take it as truth, because I feel this way. But if you examine what's going on and get into the details, you'll discover the truth. Here we go. First song that we just sang this week, and this is from our set, Oh, How I Need You, written in first person, main message. I need you, God, in your light. I, uh, I will, all I need is you, right? Complete, utter dependence on God. Not sure how you communicate that with the same emotion from a different perspective, but I think that first person perspective is important there. But in that story, God's a hero. Number two, Holy Spirit, written first person plural, you're our living hope singing to the Holy Spirit, let us become more aware of your presence. The main idea here is that God's presence manifests in the Holy Spirit during our Sunday gathering. There is nothing self-exalting about that. This is 100% God-focused, God-centered and singing about the third person of the Trinity who largely is ignored in many churches of our kind. Third song, My Hallelujah, written in first person. I'll admit at first... This song feels like it could be a little self-exalting, like, look at me, look at my hallelujah. But as often as done in, in in Bethel songs, there is a line in the chorus that gives us the reason for the writer's declaration. Your cross has made the way. In other words, I can have a hallelujah in all things, all situations because of the cross. I think it's a powerful message and reminder, and I'm not sure it could be conveyed as passionately uh, from a different perspective. Rescue story, written first person. This song is about total desperation and depravity and hopelessness until the hero, Jesus, comes in and saves. In the bridge, we even sing how Jesus never gives up. It's not what we did, it's what he did, his relentless pursuit. You carried my soul from death to life. That's the point of the story. Revive us, the last one. It's written in first person as we sing and plead directly with God. Show us your glory. Lead us, we pray. Revive us, uh, first person plural. Revive Us Again, when first person enters the song, um, it's in first person plural, which I love for the gathering. I love that when we sing our and, and those kinds of things. So, before we make sweeping statements about things in general, it's best to dig into the details. Perhaps at a 30,000-foot view, our worship songs might appear self-exalting, though I don't think so. However, upon closer inspection, we find that the songs we sing at GEBC are Christ-exalting, God-glorifying, Holy Spirit-inspiring, and self-examining, not self-exalting songs. If one is looking at recent church history, maybe the last hundred years of song in the church, our worship songs may at first glance feel focused on me or I. But if one is looking at the psalms as your basis for comparison i think you'll
1: find our song selection to be biblically similar boom hey that was an excellent response i loved your work in the psalms there i mean the psalms use first person and that that seals the deal for me my refuge and my fortress I love that. Let us sing songs of praise. Good stuff. Yeah, Thank you, Matt. Spend some time in the Psalms, please. Yeah. Every day.
0: Oh, Love it. Alright, well, that's all the questions we have for you today. But If you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text Next Level Podcast 630-474-6164. Our podcast
3: is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith.
2: We love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for our getting to know Him, and our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better strengthening not only your faith but my faith and our faith together
1: thanks for joining us and thank you listeners for tuning in to the next level